The opinions and statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Good day, everyone, and welcome again to another edition of Boomer Generation Radio. Uh, this is your host, Richard Address, coming to you from the beautiful, sun-splashed studios today of WWDB AM860 here in Greater Philadelphia. And we're streaming live on WWDBAM.com. You can reach the show at BoomerGenerationRadio at gmail.com or like us on the Boomer Generation Radio Facebook page. And we're going to be back with our first guest, uh, Sharon Dates from the Arthritis Foundation, going to talk to us a little bit and give us some education about this um, very, very important subject for us. And we'll do that right after this word from our friends at Kendall. Hi, this is Kendall resident Harry Hammond. This portion of Boomer Generation Radio is brought to you by Kendall, a system of not-for-profit communities and services that advocates for and empowers older adults to reach their full potential. Kendall is committed to working with others as we together transform the experience of aging. To learn more about Kendall, that's K-E-N-D-A-L, visit discoverkendall.org or call toll-free 888 888- Seven five nine zero one two eight. Welcome back to this first segment of Boomer Generation Radio today. Uh, very happy that you joined us. Thank you very, very much. Uh, and again, we're streaming live on WWDBAM.com. And uh, a reminder that the podcasts of all the Boomer Generation Radio shows are archived uh, on my website, www.JewishSacredAging.com. And this show should be up uh, sometime within the week. We are delighted to welcome uh, Sharon Dates, the Regional Vice President of Programs for the Arthritis Foundation. Sharon, are you there? Yes, I am, Richard. Hi, hi. Good to speak with you. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's sunny up here in New York as well as it is down in Philly. Well, you know, enjoy it. March coming in like a whatever, and it's it's nice <laughs> to see sure. blue skies uh, for a change and for a while. And uh, spring training baseball begins, so there's truth uh, about to return to the United States, <laughs> and we need a bunch of it. Anyway, yeah. thank you for joining us. Um, the Arthritis mm-hmm. Foundation. Th- th- there's so much to talk about. Um, Absolutely. Let, let's let's start with some real basic um, basic information. Just could you define what arthritis is? Yeah, arthritis is actually a Greek word, um, arth meaning joint and itis, of course, meaning inflammation. So it's all about joints and it's all about inflammation. So there's over a hundred types of arthritis. The key types that most people know um, from their grandma and grandpa is osteoarthritis, um, the other Common, more common form is rheumatoid arthritis, which is a autoimmune condition. And then there's gout is a form of arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, and the list goes on. Wow. So that, that's, that's, that's very interesting to know and good to know. And I would assume that one, there's no one prescribed treatment for all of these or one medication that attacks all of these. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely not. Today, there's Probably 52 million people in the United States who have some form of arthritis, and that's one in five people. Um, Important to know that two-thirds of these people are under 65 years of age, and 300,000 of them are kids. 
also answering your question about treatments because there's a hundred different types of arthritis and there's millions of people affected by this disease in various forms that it manifests. There are many different ways um, for these uh, dr- these um, diseases to be treated from the simplest of taking aspirin and ibuprofen for early onset of OA to other more complicated biologics and, and other ways. And we can talk a little bit about that if you like. Yeah, I, I think it's really the, the one statistic that I think is is we want to return to real fast is uh, there's a popular perception, me included, that this is a, a condition that comes on with age. But you're telling us that there's a significant incidence of arthritis of people under the age of 65, under the age of 50. And, yeah, absolutely. And just could talk about talk that a little, little more. Yeah, about yeah, that. that's really important. Yeah, well, one of the the biggest kept secrets I like to say is that over 300 children in the U.S. has a form of juvenile arthritis, and that's more than the number of kids that have juvenile diabetes and cystic fibrosis combined. Um, so they have an autoimmune type arthritis uh, that affects their joints and other organs um, throughout their body. Um, Another way we talk about the fact that it affects people that are under 65 is veterans. Veterans are very much affected, especially those that have been um, in the in war or out doing what soldiers do. They carry packs that are 150 pounds or more, and the impact on their joints is significant, and we will see more and more veterans coming back with early-onset traumatic osteoarthritis, which is a wear and tear form of arthritis. And one of the things that the Arthritis Foundation is doing is really working down in Washington to get more research to look into how to deal with that problem. So that's that's unusual. People don't think about young veterans um, having arthritis. Women are more prone to getting general arthritis, but the form of arthritis called rheumatoid arthritis um, affects three times as many women as men, and the onset of rheumatoid arthritis is between the age of 30 and 60. Men get it later in life, but women get it earlier on in life. And that that is um, a very different form of arthritis than, say, the osteoarthritis. Um, osteoarthritis wear and tear um, takes the, the cartilage and wears it away, becomes bone on bone, um, whereas the rheumatoid arthritis, which affects 1.5 million uh, people, um, it, it the body's immune system attacks the joint. It erodes the joints. It's irreversible once the damage is done. Um, there's nothing that can, can fix it except a joint replacement. It also affects other organs, heart, lung, eyes. Um, so those are those are other issues um, that affect younger people. Gout affects men um, when they're younger. Affects women. Most of uh, the boomer generation doesn't know this. It affects postmenopausal women are at higher risk of gout. And there's about six to eight million people in the U.S. who get gout. 
and about 22 to 27 million with OA. So that's kind of the top line. I could keep wow. going, but uh, I'll stop there and let you ask me a few more questions. The, the rheumatoid arthritis, um, do we know, does, does, does the medical profession know, do you know how what triggers this? Is it genetic? Is is yeah, lifestyle? Is it... Um, good question. It's all of the above. Really? Um, there, there is some evidence that it's genetically transferred, and there's some evidence that it's environmentally and lifestyle triggered. They know, once again, tobacco, which is <laughs> a big problem on many fronts, smoking affects um, onset of rheumatoid arthritis as well. So it's, it's one of those conditions that can be triggered by environment, by behaviors, as well as genetic, but it also affects people who have none of those um, triggers. Wow. The, the the other surprising statistic uh, is is the young is the kids. Um, Correct. The, this this issue of uh, arthritis amongst um, children, and right. I would imagine this is still a. I mean, this I may be totally off base here, but a, a, still a pretty well kept secret. Again, I think the perception is this is an older person's uh, exactly. condition. And exactly. And the yeah, I'm sorry. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. The form of arthritis that children get, and by the way, in the state of Pennsylvania, there's roughly 11,000 children who have some form of juvenile arthritis. The form of arthritis that children get is very similar in concept to rheumatoid arthritis. It's an autoimmune uh, condition, so it's something with the body attacking itself, and it does the same kind of, it has the same kind of manifestation as the rheumatoid arthritis in older people. And little babies, one-year-olds can be diagnosed really? with it all the way up to 20, 20. We see young adults being diagnosed with uh, what we call juvenile arthritis. So, I mean, the, 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 with the lifestyle, with the lifespan expanding, and, and I imagine you're seeing this, this huge jump now, and as the baby boomers age out over the next 20, 30 years, uh, I, I would imagine the Arthritis Foundation has done some of the projections that the 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 cost right. impact of treatment to right. this generation and the impact then on the economy could be amazingly profound. Am, am I totally off yes. base? No, you're absolutely correct. Um, in 14 years, and by 2030, we'll see the number, the estimates from the Centers for um, Disease Control and Prevention, that we will grow from 52 million affected by some form of arthritis to 67 million uh, people affected, and that's affect exactly of what you've said, the, the baby boomers. Um, today, in the United States, there's roughly a million joint replacement surgeries where people go in and have a total joint replacement. Based on these estimates, we're looking at 2030 that it's expected to go up to 4 million people getting total joint replacements. And we know the costs for doing that are significant, so there's a great deal of work being done um, by the Arthritis Foundation in helping to advance research to speed up clinical trials so that we can find out ways to help people other than having total joint replacements because the cost of this is astronomical, as, as you point out. We're spending, I think, right now over $128 um, billion 
on healthcare related to arthritis, which includes all the medications as well as the joint replacements. The most popular over-the-counter medication for um, for treating arthritis would still be ibuprofen. Yeah, I mean, the thing that people need to do is talk with their doctor. Um, there is some new research out about being careful about having ibupro- taking ibuprofen when you're over 65. Um, so it's really important for people to speak to their doctor to let them know what their symptoms are and what they're having. Make sure it is OA. If it's not OA, is it gout? Is it rheumatoid? Is it you know, spondylitis? Is it psoriatic? Um, we don't like to tell people what um, drugs to take without them speaking with their health care providers. But with that said, ibuprofen, aspirin, acetaminophen are things that the physicians and physical thera- uh, physicians assistants will tell people to take. Um, especially for OA, not so for the other conditions which need um, definite um, prescription medications. We're speaking with Sharon Dates, the Regional Vice President of Programs for the Arthritis Foundation here on Boomer Generation Radio, again coming to you on WWDB AM 860 here in Philadelphia and streaming live on WWDBAM.com. We'll be back with Sharon, and uh, we're going to explore a little bit more of the impact of arthritis in its various forms on the baby boom generation right after this message from our friends at Kendall. Hi, this is Kendall staff member Sheila Sylvester. This portion of Boomer Generation Radio is brought to you by Kendall, a system of not-for-profit communities and services that advocates for and empowers older adults to reach their full potential. Kendall is committed to working with others as we together transform the experience of aging. To learn more about Kendall, that's K-E-N-D-A-L, visit discoverkendall.org or call toll-free 888 759-0128. Welcome back to our first segment here on Boomer Generation Radio today. We're speaking with Sharon Dates, the Regional Vice President for Programs of the Arthritis Foundation out of New York City. And uh, uh, we're learning a lot about the various types, uh, the impact on age, um, especially with younger people and uh, the the approach perhaps uh, medically or medications uh, that could impact. So, let, uh, Sharon, I want to return to this because you've outlined very nicely that there's so many different types or variations on the arthritis theme. It's not just one issue. Right. So, by implication, there's ver- then there would be very many different treatment types for the various types Correct. of arthritis. Walk us through what some of these, I mean, yes, joint replacement surgery, that's kind of (laughs) radical. At the very end. Or or a couple of Advil every six hours, that's another. But given the different types, what are the various types of treatment modalities that that you're dealing with? Right. So there are... Other prescription products, corticosteroids is a form of medication, and they can be taken orally or um, through a a shot. Um, There's also what's called disease-modifying drugs, and they are more complicated medications that you would be um, getting from 
a physician's office. And then there's the newer drugs, which are the biologics, which are really um, on this theme of personalized medicine, looking at your own sort of biology and looking at the drugs that are out there, and it's just a whole new world order. Um, and as I have gone up the ladder of these types of medications, they've gotten more expensive. Each of these gets more expensive. Um, so one of the things that we do as an aside through our advocacy, through the Arthritis Foundation's advocacy network, is to really work with our legislators to make sure that we can keep these medicines affordable. Um, just back over onto treatment, um, as you said, Richard, it varies by the type of arthritis. It varies by severity. The most important thing is to get an early diagnosis so that the proper medications and treatment plans are put in place. It's very important for people to remember that exercise and walking and simple movement is a great treatment for all forms of arthritis. It used to be in the old days, people thought if they had arthritis, they had to sit and not move. But we know by moving and exercise, you build up the muscles that will strengthen the joints. So the Arthritis Foundation is a big advocate for encouraging people to get their exercise. We say exercise is one of our best medicines to treat arthritis. Another little wrinkle on that theme is that we know that half of the people who have diabetes also have arthritis. So you can see the, the challenge there. If people have diabetes, they're supposed to exercise. If they have arthritis, they think they can't move. So some of our key messages around these comorbidities, if you have arthritis, keep moving. And if you have other comorbidities like diabetes or heart disease, it's only going to help you if you keep moving. It's a trifecta, if you will. Yeah, it's, what's fascinating to me in all the shows that we do around health issues, it, it, it invariably, in one way, shape, or form, comes back to keep that body moving. If, if you sit exactly. and do nothing, you're going to get sick, and your body will not be able to respond very well. It's just fascinating, that, and it doesn't cost anything to just go out and take a walk around the block, or there, exactly. there's so many options. It, it's just exactly. fascinating to me. The... the uh, this keeps coming up over and over again. Right. The, the, as boomers age, should we just expect that there's going to be some sort of arthritic condition that emerges just on the natural process of aging? Or is this something, even if we run a mile a day, uh, that's, that, that we can prevent? And it just seems to me that this is, yeah, this comes up. Yeah, yeah. Well... I mean, I, I like to think about it as, you know, a car, as it gets older, some of the pieces start wearing away. Your dresser drawer, if you have it for a long time, it starts wearing away. There is that natural um, deterioration. Now, some people have really great, you know, <laughs> DNA, and they can do yoga at 90 and do anything they want. And there are other people, <laughs> I like to say, who get osteoarthritis to the 10th power, um, which is not the one that's um, affected by your autoimmune condition. There are people who get really bad OA, and at 50, they've had three or four joint replacements. Wow. So it's a lot about genetics. It's a lot about taking care of yourself. We know, here's another tidbit that's really great. If you lose one pound, it reduces four pounds of weight on each one of your knees. 
so the exercise making sure you're eating right is again as you point out Richard connected with so many health issues if we exercise lose a pound we take basically four pounds of weight off each of our knees two pounds is double you know it's so right. 10 pounds you're taking 40 pounds off of um, the pressure on your knees which then will make your knees last longer let's let's talk about well. some of the advocacy issues before we start running out of time first of all if somebody wants sure. to get some more information there's a website I am sure there's a website for everything <laughs> what 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 is that website if somebody wants to tap into some of this uh, information yeah yeah, I have some great resources. The Arthritis Foundation's website is www.arthritis.org. I'll say that again. It's arthritis, A-R-T-H-R-I-T-I-S, dot org. Um, and you'll get all sorts of information there. We also have a fabulous magazine called Arthritis Today, and I can give you an 800 number for that. Go ahead. 800 2837800 so people can call that 800 number and uh, ask about how they can um, purchase a subscription to Arthritis Today. Our Philadelphia office, I can give you the phone number there if people have any questions. It's 215-574-3060. And that is that a regional office? For this yes, area, for like the Phil yes. Southern yes. Pennsylvania, southeastern Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. Talk to me a little yeah. bit about and the. If it's, well, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say if if they're if the if when they call they're from a different area they're happy to put them through to the Delaware office or the northern New Jersey office. Right. So there's no problem with that. So talk to me a little bit about the advocacy. Uh, I would imagine, given the projections that you just outlined, with the increased amount of costs uh, associated with increased longevity um, and an issue that, that still nobody who's running for office will even talk about, um, which drives me crazy. But mm-hmm. talk about, if you could, the, the Arthritis Foundation Advocacy Program. How are you, how are you beginning to educate the country? You, you have this, you know, the boomers are aged, the first wave of them right. are now touching 70, 71. Right. So right. What, what, what's that advocacy program looking like? Right. Well, we have 125,000 advocates across our country um, that are affiliated with the Arthritis Foundation, and we have a national arthritis summit every year in Washington, D.C., where we bring together probably 400 people and we visit our legislators. I'll tell you what they talk about in a minute. We also have a Legislative Awareness Day in the state of Pennsylvania, and this year it's June 29th in Harrisburg. So if people want to get involved in that, they can call our Philly office. Um, and get involved. And the things that we advocate for, there's, of course, a long list, but we want to really help people be able to have access to health care providers, access to medications. We want the people who need the medications to get it so that they can get treated early. We want to, of course, help veterans that come home who have traumatic osteoarthritis get the kind of treatment that they need. And overarching the Arthritis Foundation's key messaging around this is to get more research done to help all of the people who have OA early onset, traumatic OA, the veterans, people with RA, people with gout, people with all forms of arthritis. And we're really looking to make sure the insurance companies do not 
um, take advantage of our seniors and take advantage of our families. There are all sorts of steps, and I'm sure you've spoken about this on your program, Richard, where there are ways that people get tripped up by selecting the wrong Plan D program or not understanding how, what a co-payment is or co-insurance. And the Arthritis Foundation works to get better transparency on these programs to work with our legislators to make sure that people who need access get access to medications and, and providers. One other little tidbit that's very important is there are not enough pediatric rheumatologists in our country to treat the 300,000 children that have arthritis. So many times they're treated by adult rheumatologists. So one of the things that we work to do is to get um, resources to help train pediatric rheumatologists so that they can then be placed in states in our country where there are no pediatric rheumatologists. In the Philadelphia area, New Jersey and New York, we have a lot, but in other states, there are not any. Well, you know, that, that, that raises a very interesting question that I wanted to ask you because we've run across this with some of the other concerns as boomers um, age out. Are there enough, as you look at the projections over the next couple of decades, are there enough trained uh, healthcare workers to deal with the variations on this arthritis issue as, as people age out? We, we keep running across this thing that there are just not enough geriatricians or really knowledgeable, trained healthcare workers to handle what you are projecting. Is this going to be this, this, this wave? Right, right. Well, I, a quick answer is what I just said on the pediatric front. There are very few um, pediatric rheumatologists to meet the needs of the 300,000, and we're pushing to get those loan reimbursements and programs to place them. The other thing the Arthritis Foundation um, is doing is helping primary care providers, physicians assistants, nurse practitioners learn more about the various forms of arthritis so that they can supplement maybe one to five hours that they learn in medical school or nursing school about arthritis. It's been one of those chronic diseases that people for generations have just said, oh, it's part of life, you just get it. And we know more and more now about that. So there's a lot of work um, in looking and working with the American College of Rheumatology, the Rheumatology Nurse Societies to really build out and, and get more people up to speed on the various forms and what the treatment is about. Wow. So uh, in a nutshell, before we start running out of time, which we're right. just about to, give me, <laughs> give me the, the two or three major pieces of suggestions that you would give to, to the baby boom generation who may be dealing with these various various types of, of the disease. Right. What, what, right. If you're speaking to all of them, here's, here's the three or four things you need. Yeah. What you need to do is understand uh, the disease. Get to a physician, nurse practitioner, physician's assistant, get a correct diagnosis. Then understand and learn as much as you can about the disease and then continue to educate yourself. Get involved with the Arthritis Foundation. Go to www.arthritis.org. We have walks. We have educational activities. We have free materials that people can order. Um, and get involved in the community. We know that when people have a condition and they get with other people, they share their experiences and their strengths. So those would be my – and keep moving, of course. Keep moving. 
Wow. Uh, Sharon Dates, the Regional Vice President for Programs for the Arthritis Foundation. Uh, many, many, many thanks. Real fast, the website, www.arthritis.org. And, and if you want to tap into the magazine, 800-283-7800. And if I remember, copy down real fast, the Philadelphia area number is 215-574-3060, correct? Correct. Thank Correct. you very much, Sharon. Listen, have, whoop, go ahead. Yeah, just wanted to say we have two walks coming up, the Walk to Cure Arthritis in the Navy Yard in Philadelphia on May 21st and in Washington Lake Park in southern Jersey on April 30. So call those numbers or go to those websites, and if you want to go out and walk with other people, that'll be the way to do it. All right. Thank you very much, Sharon. Very, very, very much. Uh, continued good luck, and I appreciate your time and expertise and knowledge here on Boomer Generation Radio. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. The Arthritis Foundation is honored to be on the program. Thank, thank, you. thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. I want to remind you of a very good friend of ours, uh, the Hecht Investment um, a group of Johnny Montgomery Scott, which provides concierge financial consulting and planning services. Uh, Peter and his group use a formal investment process as their foundation. Uh, clients receive a written plan, frequent communication, and rapid response to their inquiries. There are no needs greater than your own when it comes to personal financial planning. And the Hecht Investment Group provides experienced guidance as well as an efficient management process that is important in today's environment. Additionally, Hecht and his team can assist you in connecting to Jenny's Investment Banking Department, which specializes in assisting middle market companies achieve their strategic goals. During 2016, the Hecht Investment Group will be conducting workshops on um, iPhone, iPad, Social Security, personal cybersecurity, and um, end-of-life issues and what matters uh, in those areas, and we're going to be... Um, letting you know what dates and times uh, that the Hecht Investment Group's forums will be coming up. They're very, very important and very, very timely. Uh, you can reach them, uh, the Hecht Investment Group, that is, at 856-291-5028. Their toll-free number is uh, 855-289-2168. That's 855-289-2168. The Hecht Investment Group is also on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And Johnny Montgomery Scott is a member of the New York Stock Exchange, FINRA, and the SIPC. And um, give them a call. Again, the toll-free number, 855-289-2168. We're going to take a little musical bridge while we try to get together with our second segment guest. And uh, there seems to be a little communication problem here from California. So we'll, as we usually do, ease into that second segment. Today, again, we'll go back to a little Billy Joel. When you look into my eyes And you see the crazy gypsy in my soul It always comes as a surprise When I feel my withered roots begin to grow Well, I never had a place that I could call my very own But that's all right, my love, cause you're my home When you touch my weary head And you tell me everything will be alright You say, use my body for your bed And my love will keep you warm throughout the night 
Well, I'll never be a stranger and I'll never be alone. Forever we're together, that's my home. Home can be the Pennsylvania Turnpike. This is Kendall resident Harry Hammond. This portion of Boomer Generation Radio is brought to you by Kendall, a system of not-for-profit communities and services in eight states that advocates for and empowers older adults to reach their full potential. Please join us in together transforming the experience of aging. To learn more about Kendall, that's K-E-N-D-A-L, visit discoverkendall.org or call toll-free 888-759-0128. Welcome back to our second segment here of Boomer Generation Radio, brought to you by the Kendall Corporation, and we're airing on WWDB AM 860 here in Philadelphia, and streaming live on WWDBAM.com, and again, you can reach us at BoomerGenerationRadio at gmail.com, or like us on the Boomer Generation Radio Facebook page, and we are delighted to welcome, after some electronic maneuvering Katie Nathan, <laughs> the head of operations of uh, uh, Caregiving Direct. Welcome, Katie. I'm sorry for the – I don't know what was going on. Um, Good morning. That's okay. I had a busy signal that didn't want to let up. I, I think it's now. the I'm mountains. The, it, it must, there's a storm over the Rocky Mountains, and you're oh, calling it from I California. See. And I and, am, yeah. Um, and did you, you – I think you tried to call my cell. But I didn't answer because we were on the air with the other segments. So, oh, uh, I figured I figured that was the case. So I wanted, you know, I had that as a backup. So I wanted to at least let you know that I was trying to get in, and it all worked out. No, it's it's great. I mean, thank God for emails and the electronics of everything. So take a deep exactly. breath. Welcome, welcome to Boomer <laughs> Generation you. Radio. Um, Caregivers Direct. Caregivers Direct. Yeah. Talk to me about Caregivers Direct. What it is, and more importantly, why it is. Absolutely. So we were formed out of just 
personal need. Um, Lisa Greer, who is the founder of our company, her mother has Parkinson's, and she just struggled finding a great caregiver for her. And she went through agencies. She used word-of-mouth referrals, basically tried every option that was available to her to find a suitable in-home caregiver and kept coming up short, kept coming up with people who didn't fit her mom's needs. The agency process was really frustrating, really expensive, and she just felt like there had to be a better way to hire a fantastic caregiver inexpensively, somebody that could meet your needs, specifically personality-wise. So she created Caregivers Direct, which um, allows families to connect directly with caregivers in their area. They're able to choose the right person for them based on personality, um, you know, needs, services provided, and then actually hire that person directly. So you're not paying any fee to our company. Um, you know, as far as a percentage of wages, you pay a membership to sign up, but then there's no fee after that, and everything is between you and the caregiver, and you're able to just create the relationship between the two of you, which we find, um, you know, ultimately is so much more successful than going through an agency um, or trying to find somebody off, you know, just placing an ad on Craigslist, which is kind of like the Wild West of, you know, hiring somebody. Oh, no. For those of us who've had to do this, and I'm one of those uses who had to do this, it can be, um, we went through two or three individuals before we found someone through a private referral. So it it can be um, gut-wrenching, stress-provoking, and uh, all kinds of, uh, it's not, it's not, it's rarely a walk in the park. Let's put it that way. Uh, So you you write uh, that uh, choosing a caregiver is personal. Um, and this is a membership. If I'm, you, you, you mentioned that very quickly. This is a, a membership organization. Is this correct? Yes, exactly. So you, so kind of, you know, you could think of it as the Angie's list for caregivers. So we have a network of pre-screened providers. They are the best of the best. We meet everybody in our network. We have an interview with everybody. Um, we verify their references, their credentials. Every caregiver on our site has two years of experience um, as a caregiver specifically. So you're, we're really looking at people who view caregiving as a long-term career. They really value what they do. And then there is a membership to become a member of Caregivers Direct. And once you're part of our network, you can hire any caregiver you like. You can meet and interview as many people as you like. And, I mean, you know, we know that this is such an emotional decision. Um, you know, you're really bringing someone into your home. Most people haven't had much experience hiring a household employee, so that's something new, you know, compounded with the fact that it's a very, you know, it can be a, a, a difficult emotional time. So we want to make the process of hiring somebody as stress-free as we can. So I'm looking at the website, and real fast, what's the website? dot www.caregiversdirect.com. Caregiversdirect, one word. Yes, exactly. And not case-sensitive, so it's whatever that means. Right, so plural, caregiversdirect, all one word. All right, so we go on caregiversdirect.com, and I see... um, Right in front of me, a menu of costs. So, um, from 21 days to six months. Is that, let's just, and it says our most popular plan is months, $249. Is that $249 per month or is that $249 
for what? Nope, that's a one-time. That's a one-time fee. So we have different levels of access depending on what you need. So we have a three-week plan, a two-month plan, which is our most popular, and a six-month plan. So 21 days of three-week is suitable for somebody who, you know, maybe they're looking to hire somebody short-term. They're, you know, looking for a caregiver to help them after surgery for recovery. Um, you know, they kind of have an idea of what they're looking for. Um, so that gives you three weeks of access to our database. You're able to, again, contact and interview as many caregivers as you'd like. Um, you can hire somebody, try them out for a day or two, hire somebody else, try them out for a day or two to find the right person. Um, but that's kind of our, our, we feel like, you know, at the minimum, you're going to want at least three weeks of access to be able to find the right person. So if the first person, for some reason, you know, they look great on paper, but you get them into your house and you realize you don't gel as well as you'd like to from a personality standpoint, you can hire somebody else and try somebody. And our team is always standing by to help you find the right person for you. We're able to do that. Um, but the reason why two months is our most popular is a lot of people, you know, are looking to hire somebody, you know, full-time or live-in, and they just need a little more time to make that decision, you know, to, to contact caregivers, try a couple people out. Um, so we feel like two months of access is a really great amount of time, you know, really gives you a buffer if you want to try out a couple of different caregivers, um, and then you're able to come back if you need to, and again, always with the support of our staff. Okay, so... And once you hire... Oh, well, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead, finish. I was just going to say, once you hire someone, you don't need to continue to be... So this is not contingent on how long you're planning to hire your caregiver. So you can sign up with us for three weeks, the three-week plan, hire someone, and continue working with that person for as long as you'd like. This is just the amount of time that you have access to the caregivers on our website to contact them. So so let me walk through this. So I, I let's say, buy the um, most popular plan, the 249 plan. Uh-huh. Uh, you send me a list. I have my dad who's uh, recovering from um, surgery or something, and I know mm-hmm. I'm going to need somebody in the house for about three months, uh, mm-hmm. hopefully. Uh, you send me a list. I then I then interview these, this, these they'd say, five people. I hire Joe, let's just say. Uh-huh. Now, how do I pay for Joe? Do I is that covered in my membership, or do I then you pay Joe? You pay Joe directly. Directly, so you're able to pay him. Yep. So if you're hiring somebody long term, we through our concierge um, service that we provide, we can set you up. We have a partner that does payroll taxes. It's not done through us, but it is a partner that we trust and we've worked with for years and we're able to set you up so you can pay them, you know, just automatically that way. Mm-hmm. If you're hiring somebody short term, you can pay them in cash or by check. Um, if you're working with somebody and you end up paying them more than $1,900 in a year, they are considered your household employee. So, um, you know, in the eyes of the IRS, you are an employer. So we recommend going through a payroll tax company, and that's something that's very easy to get set up with, and we can help you with that. So let's be really, really clear, because there's legal implications. You just alluded to this. There's legal implications Absolutely, here. This is yes. This is not something where... Um, or, or is it? I guess you, you, you've been in business long enough to probably have run across this thing. Well, I hire Joe, but I don't want to get involved with taxes, so I'll just, I'll just pay Joe in cash. Does, the, does Joe, after he is, is vetted through your company, does he turn around and say to me, Richard, you can't do that. That's, that's, you know, we, we don't work that way. Um, you need to go through the, the proper procedures for taxes and the IRS. 
Am I misstating something? Or I'm sure you may. No, not at all. Yeah. We try to educate both sides as fully as possible. So our caregivers know that if they're working for a family full time, that they are considered a household employee and the taxes should be taken out. And we encourage everybody to pay on the books through a payroll tax service. And the nice thing about our site is the caregivers, you know, it's, it's really up to the two parties to engage in a hire. So if a caregiver doesn't want to take a position that's not paid on the books, which we encourage them to, you know, to, uh, to, to go through a payroll tax company, they're able to choose the position that's right for them as well. And we find that that leads to a more successful relationship long term, ultimately, is when, you know, the caregiver isn't being sent out by an agency to a position that they know very little about. They're actually able to engage with the process as well and choose the position that feels like a good fit for them, um, which we find, you know, the the level of engagement goes up on the caregiver side and ultimately ends ends up with less, um, ends up being more reliable long term. Right. So give me a ballpark, because I know this this can vary from locale. I'm on the road a lot for for my for my work and dealing with workshops on caregiving and stuff. And I know that these costs can sometimes vary from location to location. The your Southern California catchment uh-huh. area, um, which actually includes where I started my career, the the average cost for a home caregiver um, per hour is is basically what? Can you give me a ballpark? You, sure. If you go through an agency, typically it's about $25 an hour, wow. um, of which the caregiver takes home about $12. Um, so it's a you know, pretty big disconnect there. Um, through our site, the average hourly rate is about $15 an hour. So you're saving, you know, it's a significant savings for the average family, especially if you're hiring. We say that if you, you know, need some, if you need a caregiver for more than a couple of days, you're saving money to go through our site. And and is do you also have like a, there's a minimum number of hours per day that we yes. have to employ, Joe? Nope, not at all. You work that out directly with Joe. So Joe, you know, especially if you are looking to hire someone part-time, Joe typically has another part-time position, and it's up to him to, you know, arrange that scheduling. But there's no minimum through us. And we can also help you, you know, again, through our concierge service, we're here to help you find the right person if you're having trouble. Um, So we can help you find caregivers who are, you know, willing to work you know, maybe are closer to you, so it's easier for them to work fewer hours or they're willing to work a smaller number of hours. We're happy to help you do that. So we're speaking with uh, Katie Nathan, the head of operations for Caregivers Direct, based out in Southern California. We're going to be back with Katie um, for our concluding segment here on Boomer Generation Radio right after uh, this word from our good old friends down the street at Kendall. Hi, this is Kendall staff member Sheila Sylvester. This portion of Boomer Generation Radio was brought to you by Kendall, a system of not-for-profit communities and services in eight states that advocates for and empowers older adults to reach their full potential. Please join us in Together Transforming the Experience of Aging. To learn more about Kendall, that's K-E-N-D-A-L, visit discoverkendall.org or call toll-free 888 759-0128. Seven five nine zero one two eight. 
Welcome back to our final segment here on Boomer Generation Radio. We're speaking with uh, Katie Nathan, the head of operations for Caregiver Di- Caregivers Direct. Can't forget the S. Um, Don't forget the S. No, Caregivers no. Direct. So, and and the website again because I did forget the S, and that's really really important. Yep. Uh, it's www.caregiversplural.caregiversdirect.com. How do you vet the caregivers, uh, Katie? That's that seems to be a, a, a really, really, an, and we've talked to a, a several other companies like yours around uh, the United uh-huh. States, and this, and having done this my own in, in my own family, how do you vet these individuals? That's a great question, and we we, you know, we did a lot of research as we were getting up and running to see what the other companies were doing, all with. The, all with an eye to having, we wanted to have the most thorough screening in the industry, and we believe that we do. Um, all of our caregivers, like I mentioned, have two years of previous experience. Um, typically, agencies will, will require six months, three to six months previous experience. So our caregivers, right off the bat, have two years previous experience. They have um, an extensive application that they fill out that includes you know, their driver's license, social security number, so that we can run a preliminary background check. Uh, it's about five pages of information, some of which the families can see um, when they log on to the site. Obviously not their personal information, but they're able to write about themselves, um, you know, why they became a caregiver, kind of give a little bit more um, of a feeling of their personality. And then from there, we interview everybody on our website. We um, verify their references, so we speak to all their references personally. We verify their credentials, um, and we really a priority for us is that we screen everybody through the guise of whether or not we would bring them into our own homes or whether we would want them caring for one of our family members. Um, so that's always in the forefront of our minds when we're screening caregivers. How do you how do we judge uh, as you as you develop this pool of caregivers? The requests run the gamut from, like I just said before, dad comes home from surgery, I'm working, my spouse is working, if I have a spouse or a partner and I need somebody in the house, you know, from 9.30 in the morning until I get home from work at 5.30 just to make sure mm-hmm. everything's okay, pretty light, pretty easy, dad is mobile, lucid, etc., all the way to... Um, mom is dealing with onset dementia, uh, maybe wandering. Uh, I can't really, this is out of my area of expert. I need somebody who yep. has a real expertise in this very, very specialized um, role of caregiving, including, you know, toileting and et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Walk us through how you make those. Do we have, you must have different categories of expertise or do you match my request with that particular list? Absolutely. Uh, the answers to both of those questions is yes. Um, we have caregivers that range from basic companion care. So I you know, spoke to a woman yesterday who's looking for a caregiver really just to provide transportation. She needs someone to drive her to doctor's appointments, help her um, you know, on errands, and she wants to know that it's going to be a reliable person week after week that she can get to know and, and know that going to be there consistently. So any, anything from a companion caregiver to a registered nurse, licensed vocational nurse. Um, we have caseworkers on our site as well, uh, physical therapy assistants if you need help with um, you know, exercises, range of motion, mobility, 
and we can absolutely help you determine, um, you know, the right type of caregiver for your needs. Um, obviously, you'd want to, you know, if you have a specialized condition, this is a conversation that your doctor would be a part of as well. But in terms of finding a caregiver on our site, we can absolutely, you know, make recommendations, um, send over matches that might be appropriate. Ultimately, it's always up to you to make that final decision and to engage in a hire. But we're happy to help you find caregivers who are appropriate for your needs. Yeah, I think something you said is is important because it gets glossed over a lot in these conversations. If I heard you correctly, you said as part of, well, to put it bluntly, as part of my membership, uh, with caregivers direct i have i will have access or i can have access to social workers pt people etc cetera, etc cetera, to help create a program of caring for my loved one is, is, did i hear you correctly on that yes you do and again it's all it's all a direct hire but we have caseworkers on our website who are able to engage with you and you know most of those engage with their shorter term so you're able to bring in a caseworker to assess your needs make recommendations in terms of what kind of long-term caregiver you should be looking for moving forward again always as part of a conversation with your doctor but we it was a really a priority for us to have a wide range of types of caregivers we have um, almost 400 providers in Los Angeles and Orange County so we want to make sure that we've got a range of caregivers to fit a variety of needs in those areas. And, you know, I know that you've been to Los Angeles and you know how sprawling it is. Oh, I used to live there. I used to live there. So I know know exactly. And I still have dreams of the 405 and the 101. Oh, my gosh. So So we want to make sure that we've got, you know, people in your area. And, you know, when you come to our website, even before you become a member, you're able to do a quick search and see the caregivers that are live in your area. Um, you know, to get a sense of whether or not it would be worth it for you to subscribe. We don't want you to subscribe if you feel like there isn't, you know, a handful of great providers near you that you would feel comfortable hiring. So and, and will these caseworkers come to visit me in my house so they can eyeball my, my loved one and we can get a sense of the person? Yeah, that's what I mean. In terms of bringing on a caseworker, that's what they do. So they can come into your home, assess what you need, and then make recommendations for a long-term hire. So I guess the next obvious question that springs to this is you're now in Southern California. Are you? Is it the business plan of Caregivers Direct to stay in Southern California? I live in Southern New Jersey. Do Can I use your service? Right now. I wish you could now. Our plan is that you're able to use it very soon. We're in Southern California now, and within the next year to year and a half, we plan to expand even further, and we just want to spread caregivers direct as far as we can, as quickly as we can, while obviously maintaining you know, the quality that we have built from the start. So, and, and in the acquisition of the caseworkers, et cetera, et cetera, do they also go through some sort of screening process um, yep you know. everybody goes through the same screening process and again you know we really we accept I think fewer than 10% of providers who apply um, so it's a pretty small number the people who actually make it through to become live on our site and actually connect with families so it's really important to us that we have the best of the best on our website so talk to me about one of the other major concerns of families who are walking this walk at, and will walk with increasing frequency as the boomers age. Uh-huh. Uh, talk to me about the insurance issue. Um, I'm hiring Joe five days a week and uh, four hours a day. I, I, I'm going to have to write that check, right? Where's the insurance? Exactly. All- Go ahead. Yes. We we don't work um, through insurance. Our, it's direct pay, um, typically out of pocket. 
is the way that our service works. And my membership fee, that $249 basic membership fee for Caregivers Direct, that's I write a check to you. I, that's not insurance either, correct? Exactly, right. It, it's just direct payments. All right. So basically, and, and this is typical. I mean, this is something that a lot of people don't realize until they actually are faced with this uh, challenge that... Um, that's correct. And, and that's... Um, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and I know, you know, I know that policies vary. I know that some insurance policies will offer a reimbursement if you're hiring a caregiver privately. Mm-hmm. And in that case, you know, that's something that you could apply to um, your your relationship with your caregiver if, if that's something that your insurance policy offers. But typically, um, the... The families that use our site are, are paying directly out of pocket. And last insurance question, real fast: the 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 uh, long term. If I have long term care insurance, is mm-hmm. care is caregivers direct covered by long term care insurance? Again, it just depends on your policy. So if they offer reimbursement for a private hire, yes, you could apply that to caregivers direct. But otherwise, we don't work specifically through insurance because it is a direct hire relationship. And one other thing, because this comes up a lot when I, when I actually do workshops with congregations on this stuff and about the, because you mentioned the transportation. If, if, if the person I hire is driving dad to the dialysis appointment and gets into mm-hmm. a fender bender on Pico, um, is caregivers direct covered for that or um, how does that, how does that work? Cause this comes up all sure. the time. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a great question. That's actually something we hadn't touched on, and I'll touch on it quickly. But you, as um, you know, an individual or a family hiring, you're able to run a background check, including a DMV check, on the caregiver that you hire. So we we run a background check when we bring them on to our network. But then, for additional peace of mind, if you want to run your own background check, if you want to have that driving record in your hand or in your files. You're able to do that, which is not something that you typically get to do through an agency. You kind of just have to take their word for it that they right. run a background check. So this is um, very, this is this is very. We're about running out of time, so I, I, sure. I, this is real important that people are aware, and it's part of their self-education as they walk into this. So there's lots of educational opportunities, and I'm, I'm sure you you provide some of that sort of like checklist and how to. Katie yep. Nathan, thank you very much. The head of operations for Caregivers Direct, WW www.caregiversdirect.com. Take care. Say hello to L.A. for me. Thank you very much, Katie. We're running out of time real fast, and Tony's waving his arms back there. So thank (laughs) you. To, To everybody, thank you for joining us on another edition of Boomer Generation Radio. We'll be back next week, same time, 10 a.m. here on WWDB AM 860 in Philly, streaming live on WWDBAM.com.